Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving home from work. It is Monday, November 5th, I think, 2018. Time's kind of flown by. I played a lot of Diablo this weekend. Not gonna lie, we got Diablo, my wife and I, for uh, the Switch, and we've been playing a lot of that. I played a lot of Hearthstone, too, but I, we kind of ended up making our own, like, roll-your-own-blizzcon. <laughs> just playing a lot of Hearthstone and a lot of Diablo all weekend and trying not to think about how much fun I was missing sitting at home alone while everybody was in Anaheim, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, so, uh, my ladder's not gone great. I actually got up to like rank three with the egg paladin that I was talking about at the end of the last episode and then things started falling apart. Uh, that wasn't necessarily helped by the fact that Zolay came up with a new spin on Resurrect Priest that I decided to try, and that tanked a few ranks, and then I went to Vicious Syndicate to look at their live tracker, and they said Big Spell Mage was the best one, best deck to play, ranks 4 to Legend, and maybe they're at a different rank 4 to Legend than I'm at, because Big Spell Mage did not do very well. It could also be that I don't know what I'm doing with the deck, which is entirely possible. Um, but, you know, long story short, I ended up back at the floor, and I was trying to climb out of there. I did a, a fairly long stream yesterday to, um, you know, as part of the, the money that I'm raising for extra life, which you can, if you are interested, by the way, you can go to the show notes at off curve. There is a link to the campaign page, um, at offcurve.com and any of the episodes from the last couple of weeks that will have a link to where you can donate. And a couple of folks from the stream were, were generous enough to donate. And I appreciate that, um, quite a bit. So I was playing that and I, I just ended up kind of going 50-50 and decided to try some other things and ended up landing on even Warlock, which was okay, but, you know, that won me a couple games on stream, and then I, lo I lost them all again off stream because I kept running up against, like, Shutterwalk Shamans that were just outdrawing me and not giving me a chance to be able to actually beat them. Um, one thing I did find, Blister Guy was nice enough to send me a Spiteful Priest that... I mean, I've played a few games over lunch, and it feels actually really strong. It was definitely one game that I lost because I tried to take uh, the, you know, the heavy upside play on trying to roll a mind control with my, I, you know, two mind controls and one, one free from Amber in the list. And my opponent had, like, uh, some gigantic minion, like uh, a Zilliax with things like, you know, magnetized to it or something. And I decided to go for the two, the you know, the two and three on a Grand Archivist to try to roll the mind control rather than just trading it off. And uh, got punished for it when the Free From Amber came out and gave me a not taunt. So that was, um, you know, but uh, I mean, all things considered, it's actually been performing way better than I would have expected. I mean, drawing Keliseth helps for sure. Um, but Spiteful Summoner is still pretty good, and turns out Cabal Shadow Priest is actually really good in a meta where there's a lot of Death Rattle Hunter, because it just steals eggs. Now, I'm all, I'm still at rank 5, right? Like, usually what will happen, and this is the caveat, is that when I try one of these weird decks, I can usually pilot it up to, like, rank 4 1 star, and then, and this person's just gonna, just gonna pull over the side and not signal, and that's fantastic. Um, so usually I can get to, like, rank 4 1 star, and then I just start losing when when the tryhards come out and you know we'll see I, I i actually i feel positive about the deck it seems like it's actually fairly well positioned but it's it's always hard to tell with something that's 
you know, off the beaten path. But I just, I can't jam another, you know, couple hundred games of Death Rattle Hunter and not make it to Legend again. Like, it just felt like there's enough hate in the meta against it that it, it's tough to, you know, put myself through that. And I feel like I'm relying on Rexar to give me what I need a lot of the time. And that just doesn't feel great. So we'll try this and we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, it's different at least. I may be off of this by the time that you hear this even. Because that's the kind of the way that things have been going for me. Um, but it's it's a fun deck. It's something different. I haven't played Spiteful Priest in a while. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, also, in, in some personal news, before we get... Yes, we're going to talk about the new expansion. Don't worry. Don't you worry. We're going to talk plenty about that. But um, in personal news, the announcement just came out um, last night that I will be one of the casters for WESG which is going to be over the next couple of weekends. I am so excited. It's not even funny. Like, I'm really, really excited. Like, you know, and and I, I know I've talked about this on the show before, but, like, when I was a kid, I was one of those nerds who went to, like, camp college, where instead of, like, going to an actual, like, day camp, went to, like, it was, like, on a community college campus, and they had a bunch of, um, like, quote-unquote classes. And one of the ones that I always did was radio. And, I mean, obviously I'm doing this, right? But... Um, like one of the things that I always kind of wanted to do was play by play for like baseball or football or something like that. Cause I was actually kind of, I was into sports as a kid off and on, like you wouldn't know it, but I was actually into like spectator sports and like my, my parents got tickets to New Jersey devils games a lot. And we'd go watch hockey and stuff like that. And, and it was something I always wanted to do, and I never really was good enough at any sport to understand it enough to be able to do commentary. So, like, Hearthstone's really opened that up for me and, and kind of been making one of my, like, childhood dreams come true, which is really kind of awesome. So, and I'm very thankful for Bemi in particular, who's, um, you know, who's the or been organizing a lot of the production for these events, um, who kind of gave, you know, took a shot on me, and, and that's worked out really nicely, and... So I'm really excited to be um, getting to cast more in, like, an, a known event. And, like, you know, an event that, uh, you know, people have, people recognize, which is really, really exciting. Um, so, you know, forgive me for gushing for a little bit, but that's something that, you know, I've, you know, it's kind of been one of the things that, especially even when I made the decision to leave Disruption, for those of you who follow me, from before I was doing this show even, um, one of the things that I wanted to do was be spending more time on this because this is really where our passion is. And I, I, you know, a small part of me thought that I wanted to get into casting and and didn't really know how that was going to happen, but it was kind of a goal of mine because I knew that playing in tournaments wasn't really for me. Like I'm not a, I'm a competitive person, but like the stress and anxiety of, of tournament play kind of affects me in a way that I didn't really enjoy. And casting is a different kind of stress, but it's a stress I can I I kind of feed off of a little bit better. And it kind of plays to my strengths as somebody who doesn't shut up, as you know if you've been listening to the show. So um yeah, so so I'll have you know, follow my Twitter, I'll have more news on when I'm casting, and you can go check out check that out. I appreciate it if you come watch live. Um, you know, it's it's something again, it's a really a dream of mine, and I'm really, really thankful for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to doing it. So, but, you know, enough about me. We have, uh, we have some cards to talk about. So, we got the new expansion announcement, um, Rastakhan's Rumble. As you all know, if you've been paying attention at all over the last three days, 
Um, it's a troll-focused expansion, and it is revolving around the trolls who are in this big arena battling in teams, and each one of the teams revolves around a champion and a loa, which is like an animal spirit, and those represent the two, um, you know, the two legendaries for each class, along with a spirit minion that is going to be zero attack and get stealth for one turn and give some sort of an, uh, an aura effect while it's on the board. Um, and then we're getting overkill as a new, as a new mechanic, which is going to trigger if you kill something with the card and do more damage than it has health. Um, both, and interestingly that triggers for both opponents in addition to minions though I don't think the latter the you know the triggering on an opponent is really going to be more than just BM but it's a thing that can happen and like I guess we can talk about the theming first and I'm, I'm going to touch on the cards a little bit again this is not a card review episode uh, for those of you who are newer I do the card reviews over on the happy hearthstone Andrew has me on for two exhausting three-hour sessions where we talk about every card in detail, and I'm not going to do that on this show, mainly, A, because I don't really want to repeat myself too much, and also because we wait until we see all the cards and then we review them with full context. So anything here is just kind of a hot take before we get to that point, and I would rather, if I'm going to be wrong, I'd rather be wrong with full information than wrong with partial information. Um... I think that, like, one thing that you can see from, like, why, and I, I had the virtual ticket. I was um, lucky enough to, to win one in a giveaway at Naricella's, uh stream, like, a week or so ago, or two weeks ago, maybe. And actually, it was, more, it was longer than that. It was almost like a month ago. Um, but in any event. So I, w- I watched the both of the What's Next panels, both the one that was revealing the cards as well as around single-player content. Single-player content looks like it's going to be another um, build-your-own-deck type of adventure, but there's going to be more of, like, a, you know, a, a theme of progressing through the tournament, um, and you recruit teammates, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's good. I think it's kind of, we've, we've seen this before, and it'll be interesting how they're managing to take a new twist on it, because the puzzle labs were something very different, but that's obviously something that they, they can't do a lot of. Um, but, the you know, the, the deck building is kind of a different, a different thing that they can kind of put little spins on, but I'm interested to see how they make that different. They did say that they're going to open that up for multiplayer in Tavern Brawls, and I, I kind of wish that they would just do that all the time. I mean, I understand that that would kind of get old, but just even having, like, a different, a different way to play might just be enough right now. Like, a, you know, a fun multiplayer mode might just be it until they can get something more into the client, but it's neither here nor there also. Um, like, you know, I like the, I like the, the gladiator arena type of theming. I think it, it lends itself to more of an aggressive style of set, which I would expect that they would be doing given how slow the meta has been. I would expect that we're going to be getting some more aggressive cards though. It, it does also seem like they're, um, you know, they're being a little bit safe with the, with the card designs, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute when we get more into the mechanics, but I want, I still want to talk about the theming a little bit. And, and, you know, when we're talking about theming, keep in mind, I am not a World of Warcraft player. Um, I've been a Blizzard fan for going on 20 years now, 
but I played Warcraft 3 and that was it and I honestly don't remember very much from Warcraft 3 like I installed it on my Mac like a year ago when they updated it to run on modern hardware and I played through the beginning of it and then it kind of noped out when I got to a, me a mission that required me to defend a base for half an hour and nobody has time for that <laughs> in 2018 um, but so I'm not, I'm not big on Warcraft lore. Like I pick it up as I go, as these sets are being released. So I'm coming into this, not as somebody who is like seeing characters that I know from Warcraft or, or, um, or races or, or, you know, settings that I know from Warcraft. Like none of that resonates with me, right? I'm just taking what's there and what's offered on face value. And, and I gotta say, like, I, I like the Gladiator theme, but there's something about this set that just kind of rubs me as weird. And, and what I'm going to say, I'm going to preface this by saying this is not a judgment on the set. And this is not saying, like, I'm not going to play it or this is offensive. This is just something that kind of, it, it's not sitting right with me. And I just want to kind of talk through it, which is that, like, the trolls, you know, again, Warcraft is a 20-year-old, 20-plus-year-old franchise, right? And the trolls seem to be from an era along the lines of, like, Jar Jar Binks in the Star Wars movies, where they're very clearly supposed to be, like, Jamaican, like, Caribbean or Creole or whatever, like, you know, that type of people along with the voodoo that's involved. And they're kind of, like, in this Aztec temple that's clearly, like, from a, you know, an indigenous civilization. And and they've got the really thick Jamaican accents. And, and it just, like, there's something about it that it's like... And we've had trolls in Hearthstone. But it's always been, like, a card here, a card there. It's not, like, an entire set, like, around them. And it just feels very, like, not Blizzard of 2018 to not have, like, retconned those somewhat. Like, it feels kind of like appropriation in a way that's slightly uncomfortable. And, you know, it's like making fun of these savages who are, you know, using... Like, like they, you know, they make things into toads and they, they, they worship spirit animals. And it's just like, I, I, I don't know. It's, it feels weird to me. Because Blizzard's been really good about changing the way that different cultures are represented in their games over the last like five years or so like they've done a really I mean you know they can always be doing more but they've been doing a pretty good a pretty good job in Overwatch in particular of of trying to represent a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds in that game and and, and it's just it's weird like I don't like I'm not going to say I'm not going to enjoy the set and not that I can't get past it but it's also like I kind of need to acknowledge that this is problematic in a way that feels off to me. And it feels like Blizzard, like, 1998 when you got the medic in Brood War. And if you clicked on her enough times, she made jokes about sponge baths and stuff. Like, it doesn't feel like Blizzard of, like, 2015 to 2018. Um, I don't mean, I don't mean to be a downer. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy it. I'm not saying I'm not going to necessarily enjoy it. It's just, like... It's something that I need to acknowledge because I can't really get past it. And and I was listening to Blister Guy on Walk to Work and he kind of brought... He kind of touched on it a little bit. 
and but kind of couched it in rock and Warcraft lore, and I don't have that context. I'm coming into that. I'm coming into this as a person who only knows about Warcraft lore as it has been presented to me on Hearthstone cards for the most part. And from that perspective, it just feels out of sync with the rest of what Blizzard's been doing lately. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just overreacting. But it just, it like, it's so over the top that it feels like maybe out of place in 2018. So anyway, I, I don't want to, I don't want to color your opinion of it. I'm, it's not even coloring my opinion of it. And I'm going to talk about the actual gameplay in a second. But it's just kind of something I had to get off my chest as a non-Warcraft player. And, and hopefully you can kind of bear with me through that. So as far as the mechanics go, um, I, I'm. it's kind of hard to say, really, because a lot of these mechanics are kind of hard to, to evaluate on their own, especially without a lot of context. Like, a lot of it revolves around the interaction between each, each class's Loa and the Spirit. Like, they showed, like, Spirit of the Bat and, and Marink the Bat from Warlock in one of the what, What's Next... Um, sessions and Marik the Bat is an 8 mana 1-1 that when you play it it has a battle cry fill the board with copies of this minion and then the Spirit of the Bat is an 0-2 with stealth for one turn because they all get stealth for one turn unless the spirits do and then um, every time that a minion dies give a minion in your hand plus one plus one so they showed like a minion full of board a board full of minions and you have Marik as the only minion in your hand and you kill them all off by trading on the board, and then all of a sudden you you drop a bunch of six sixes onto the board, and and that's like the ideal scenario, right? Like that's the way you draw it up, and and we don't need to get into whether the card's actually going to work that way or not. There's going to be three hours, um, across you know six hours across two episodes to do that, but uh, you know it is kind of interesting how they're they're going to be building at least part of this class around this hand buffing mechanic that's enabled by the spirit of the bad. And, and I think that's going to kind of color the way that you look at the rest of the cards. Um, I, I do like the idea of like a, a minion that you at least get one turn's worth of value from. Like I like the, the stealth for one turn mechanic on the spirits just to make sure that they're probably going to live for a turn and then you get to kind of take advantage of them. And they said that the, one of the things they wanted to do was that they don't want to, make it so that, you know, these, these minions are so powerful that, but you only get to use them in the late game, but it's going to be kind of limited how it, how well you can use them in the early game. And, and I mean, if you think about something like a Gadget Sand Auctioneer or like a Spirit Singer Umbra or something like that, like that makes sense. Like you have to get value out of them that turn and that kind of limits what you can do with it. Whereas, you know, or a Lyra the Sun Shard is probably a great example. Like, if it sticks, then you get to have this, like, one blowout turn, but that means that the effects that they're going to have on these spirits are not going to be, like, these infinite chains like you can get with Lyra or with or with Gadget Sand Auctioneer, hopefully. Um, I mean, your your Battle Cries and, and Combo Sugar Twice is the Rogue one. I'm not sure how you could abuse them, like, that much. I mean, obviously you can. But, like, I don't know if there's a way to, like, chain infinite of them if you're doing that. Probably not. But there's certainly going to be some ways to, you know, you get a Keliseth into it. Or you get a... I mean, this, it's going to be four mana, so you're not going to want to hold on to a Keliseth. But, like, that sort of a thing. Or you're going to draw four cards off of an Elven Minstrel. 
or, you know, all, all those types of things that you can do that, that will make for a powerful turn that allows you to get a turn of setup so you can actually take advantage of it and, and kind of feel that powerful. And, and I don't know if that enables power creep or not. Like that's the one place where like whenever you're looking at a third set of a, of a rotation, like power creep is always going to be a concern. If you look at recruit, like recruit was kind of a broken mechanic in a certain way because like you're just cheating mana. And I mean, like if you look at the cards that are being used, like almost all of the recruit cards got used in one way or another, except for like guild recruiter and like the, the warrior, like gather your party because six mana by itself is not really worth it. But even then like recruit warrior was a thing for a little while. So like all those cards saw play and they saw play because you were just like cheating the mana curve. And I don't think this does that quite the same way, but it does give you kind of a powerful effect that you need to set up. And it works with what those classes want to do. And, and, I'm cautiously optimistic. It seems like a pretty good way to do it. Or is there, you know, you always do have ways to like, you know, mossy horror them or you can, um, you know, AOE them away, whatever. So there are way limited ways you can interact with them, but often you'll get a chance to kind of do the cool things that your deck was built to do without your, your opponent being able to, to disrupt it too much, which is fun as long as those are balanced properly. And so far I'm not seeing anything that's too scary from what's been revealed. Overkill is also an interesting mechanic because it it kind of incentivizes you to play inefficiently, but then you get the benefit of that made up in another way, which is kind of interesting. Like you generally think about wanting to, you know, not overkill things. Like you want to be able to make sure that you're kind of distributing your damage around as efficiently as you can so that you can let the rest of your damage go face. And this is kind of incentivizing you to do not that in exchange for other benefits. I mean, the, the warrior weapon, I, I don't know how much you overkill it and how much of you, how much it's going to get value just because it's a weapon that can go face for four, four times. And I would imagine that's probably going to be more relevant. Like the number of times you're actually hitting into things with like an Arcanite Reaper and pirate warrior was probably considerably less than the number of times you just hit your opponent in the face with it. But there's also to be said, like maybe you do want to use it to clear a minion and hit face in the same turn. Is that worth four damage that you're not going to face? Like it creates these kind of interesting decision points where do you want to, you know, depending on what the cards look like, right? Like I'm sure that there's going to be some sort of a minion that has overkill that will get to trade off a minion and maybe that damage is better off going face or maybe it's better off you know, overkilling the minion and, and getting some sort of a value. I could see some interesting decision points there. So I kind of like them building these like conditional, conditionally very powerful effects. Like they're very powerful, but you need to satisfy something in the moment. And, and, you know, the legendaries also look like cards that you would have to build around too. Like the Shrival the Tiger is something that a lot of people looked at immediately like 25 mana why the hell would you ever play that and the answer is well it's not in a deck that exists right now well i mean egg paladin is sort of that but if you're playing a deck that runs big spells for paladin and paladin has lots of good spells that cost four five six seven mana well survival is going to get pretty pretty cheap pretty quick and you can do the math and figure out like what would be a fair price for that for that minion and this is this is my like card evaluation um, lesson for you today, I guess. 
Like, because when I evaluate something like Shrivala, and we'll talk about this in the Happy Hearthstone at length, I'm sure, because I wrote Andrew a novel already about this card. But, like, when you're evaluating a card like that with a variable mana cost, the way that you need to do is you kind of need to use the vanilla test. And if, you ne- if you're not familiar with the vanilla test, ge- generally you look at the number of stats that are assigned to a, a minion with no keywords. And, you know, kind of count up what that is for, like, attack plus defense. So the, the stereotypical example is that you take, like, a, like the vanilla, the, the like, prototypical vanilla 4-drop is Chill Yeti. It's a 4-mana four 4-5. Four, so generally you're getting, like, X plus 1, X, X times 2 plus 1 stats um, for your mana. So in the, it, it would be, like, 9 to, together. And those are distributed different ways. Sometimes it's a 4-5, sometimes it's a 3-6. But, you know, those are distributed between attack and defense. But typically it's... It's mana costs times two plus one is what's fair. So, like, if you look at Ziliax, right? So, Ziliax is a 3-2 with um, Divine Shield, Rush, and Lifesteal, which are the exact same things that are on Shrivala. And so, a 3-2 by that calculation is about a two-drop, right? And Ziliax costs five mana. So, we can figure out that the 3-2 stats are worth two mana. So, each one of those keywords is probably worth one mana. Because it is a five-cost minion, right? So if you take that, like, everything else being the same, so you're going to take a 7-5, you're going to figure out what that is in terms of a vanilla minion. So it's going 7 plus 5 is 12, so it's going to be somewhere between a 5 and a 6, and 6 mana for those kinds of stats, vanilla. And then you add 3, so you figure that, let's, let's round down. If you, if you get it to 8 mana, it's probably a good deal, and anything below it is broken. So if you can build into a deck where you're playing and you're playing spells, and I mean, if you're playing any sort of a mid-range or control paladin, I can rattle off for you the spells, you're going to have a quality, you're going to have Consecration, you're going to have Blessing of Kings, you're going to have Spike Ridge Steed, you may have Kangor's Endless Army if you have mechs. I mean, and that's like two copies of each. Like, you can get yourself, like, you can play what is it, 13 mana's worth of spells? Pretty easily. Like, you're talking about a Spike Ridge Steed and a Consecration and a um, and a Blessing of Kings. And now you're at 8 mana, and 8 mana's fair, and anything below that is just broken good value. Right? So, you know, try to... It's, it's very easy to... And, and to be fair, some of these are going to require some additional context. Like, I looked at the Priest card, I was, like, visibly upset at the Priest card, which is, like three mana destroy three mana crystals give your deck plus two plus two we will talk about this at length too because there are so many things that i don't like about this card but it could be that there's some like destroy mana crystals mechanic in priest i would hate that but that might be some way that it fits in so that's kind of what the way that you need to evaluate the set is kind of look at you you kind of need to keep an open mind about what else could there be until you see all the cards to see how the pieces fit together. But it seems to me like the, the general direction of the set is that they're trying to build very powerful things that are only powerful conditionally, and then that will kind of lead to diversity in decks. Now, if that addresses the polarity problem or not, that I don't know. But I, I kind of like the direction that they're taking the card design in. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that they're doing a better job this year in designing the cards. A card like Giggling Inventor is going to slip through once in a while. I, I don't think they've really had any huge missteps. Over, other than that, I mean, Druid's been getting a lot of things, but that's kind of... A lot of the problems that we have are problems that we're still living with that were part of the part of last year's sets. 
Like, Knights of the Frozen Throne was kind of a big power creep set, and so was Cobalt's. So I'm interested to see how this all kind of rolls in when we get to next rotation year with this, like, lower power level, and we're kind of in this weird transition period. But, you know, so far I'm optimistic. We'll see how things go when I actually get into rating the cards. But I, I, I think the, the team has a good idea of what they want to do. Um, it's, you know, it's a shame that it's been lost in kind of the messaging and the, and the meta, the meta issues that have been kind of around it. But I, I, you know, I definitely got that the team was very excited about the set and, and the things that it's letting them do. And, and I'm excited to try it. So one last thing before I sign off, and, and this is not necessarily about the set itself, but kind of about BlizzCon in general, because... I, I think there's kind of an important lesson to learn here. Um, and that's about expectation. So, if you've been following it all, you heard about the Diablo debacle. And we don't really need to get into that. But I think that a lot of the times when people are, are this upset, it's because expectations have gotten out of control. And you can you can argue what whose fault that is whether that's on the fans themselves for letting them let themselves get their imaginations run wild or if it's on blizzard's fault blizzard's end for not managing expectations as well as they should because let's be let's be frank like the reaction to diablo immortals was kind of a lot of that on both sides like the players clearly overreacted. I mean, I'm a Diablo fan going back a long time myself. Like, Diablo was the first Blizzard game I played. And I've spent hundreds of hours in all of the Diablo games. Right? Like, I've bought Diablo 3 three times already. So, I, I'm, I'm empathetic. I was a little bit disappointed at first, too. But, like, okay, right? Like, they said Diablo 4 wasn't coming. Um, that said, I think that, you know, Blizzard also could have read the temperature in the room a little bit better and, and realized that maybe they needed to do a pre-announcement or something to kind of keep people from running amok because, like, I did a Calm Before the Storm panel a week before the show and we spent at least a half an hour just talking about the empty space that was in the floor plan in the Diablo area. And, you know, they can say... Well, Diablo 4 is not coming, but there's still a lot of things that could go into the, you know, the Diablo space that it could have been. And I'm sure that a lot of them would have been received differently than a mobile Diablo, right, wrong, or indifferent. Because I think a lot of people were kind of pinning a lot of their hopes on the fact that Diablo 4 was in development and, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's not the same as a core game in the in the series it's definitely like a side thing i think the you know the example i was using in the coin concede discord today because ridiculous hat is a infamous in and out fan is that like if you if some if you if they started selling like in and out burgers in the frozen section of the supermarket and somebody told me that you were sold you that you were going for in and out and that's what they served you like it you'd be disappointed, right? Like, it would not be... Like, it may still be delicious, but it wouldn't be the same thing, and it wouldn't be what you were expecting. There would be some disappointment and potentially some anger that was, you know, along with that. 
And I think that's something to keep in mind as we're getting through card reveal season and, and, and ultimately into the new meta is that the expectations that are built up in our head are only what we make of them. And like, if you are going into the new set expecting it's going to fix all the problems with the meta and it's going to make the game completely fresh and interesting, you're not going to see any of the old decks. Um, you know, you're going to have a whole bunch of new weird decks to try. Like those things may be true for a short period of time, but ultimately the meta is going to settle the way it's going to settle. And, and I don't, I, I don't believe that a new set is going to be able to fix those things. Even rotation may not hundred percent fix those things. Um, I think it'll help because I think that they're, that, that team five is still kind of recovering from a lot of the design mistakes that they made with Knights of the Frozen Throne and with Cobalt and Catacombs, specifically some of the infinite value Death Knights, like Rexar and Jaina, and I guess Gul'dan to a lesser extent, as well as, um, you know, the recruit mechanic in Cobalt and Catacombs, as well as Carnivorous Cube. Like, those couple of things are, you know, definitely weighing the format down right now, and it looks like their plan is to just kind of make some different ways to play and get us through this next rotation when those things go away, and then they can start from a different foundation, and maybe that works and maybe it doesn't. But I, I would say that, you know, what's really important is to be playing the game that's in front of you. And, or not, right? Or or accept that it's not the game that you want and then approach it that way. But I don't think that I would get upset if, you know, like, I, I had a bit of a visceral reaction to the Priest card, when it was released, but ultimately, like, I'll be fine. Like, if I can play Priest, great. If not, you know, I'll be able to play Priest eventually. And, you know, it's not the Priest card I want, but maybe that maybe there's something there. But, you know, if you're expecting that the new set's going to fix all your problems, you're going to be disappointed. If you go into it thinking that, you know, it's going to be new things to try and different things to learn, you know, regardless of what comes, then maybe you'll be able to kind of accept the meta that we have and, um, and, you know, enjoy the game for what it is. So, you know, I think that the Blizzard's doing a decent job, at least with the set of not necessarily promising that it's going to completely shake up the meta. I don't think we want it to, because ultimately if it's making that much of a, of a concrete impact, that means that they've power crept it so much that they're going to have trouble, you know, balancing that in future sets. So, you know, just kind of take things as they come. Enjoy the cards for what they are. Enjoy the reveals for what they are. And, um, you know, keep your expectations in check. And, and I think that we'll be able to get through this review, reveal season and get through the next meta, um, you know, a little bit a little bit more even-keeled, I guess. All right, so that's going to do it for me for this week. As always, you can find all the links I mentioned on the website, which is at offcurve.com. You can also follow um, the show's account at offcurve if you want to get notified to when new episodes are live. You can follow me at Wicked Good for announcements about those things and all the other things that I'm doing, including casting WESG. I'm so excited. And um, also on, on offcurve.com, you can find the link to donate to the Extra Life campaign. I really appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me personally. Again, you know, I, I don't remember if I said this on the podcast. I know I've said this on the stream a few times, but, you know, my, uh, you know, I have two autistic daughters. Uh, Boston Children's Hospital has been amazing in terms of helping us 
you know, learn what it means to be parents of autistic daughters and um, in terms of helping them get the diagnoses and then the support that they needed to be able to to navigate school and, and be able to live to the fullest of their potential and not be, you know, not be held back by misconceptions and stuff like that. So, um, you know, any, any bit that I can do to give back and anything that I can in, invite you to give back would really mean a lot to me. Um, you can also follow me on Twitch. I'm Wicked Good FM. I did a three-hour stream for Extra Life yesterday. We'll probably do um, do more of that throughout the month. So please be sure to to check me out there. And um, you know, and please do leave a review on iTunes. It's it helps out a lot. It, both it fills my bucket and it also helps people find the show. And um, you know, I've been hearing a lot of people reaching out to me personally saying that they're enjoying the show, and I, I appreciate that. And, and I guess, you know, if you can share it with one other person, you know, if everybody does that, I double my audience, and then I can help more people, right? So, uh, you know, re- writing a review is kind of the way you can do that in addition to, you know, a personal recommendation is, is another way you can help kind of a stranger help find the show, too. And, it, you know, it it always kind of warms my heart seeing those reviews that people take time to read, to write. So, um but that's, that's about it for me for this week. Um, you know, I don't know when reveal season is going to start in full. Um, I would imagine you're going to want to keep an eye on my Twitter for, um, my usual hot takes. And again, you'll subscribe, you want to subscribe to the happy hearthstone as well for card reviews. When those are coming, I would imagine given that the set launches on December 4th, I would imagine we'd probably be recording that weekend prior um, so you have something to listen to right before the set comes out. So, you know, keep an eye open for that. And, um, you know, until then, you know, good luck in whatever your goals are this week. Even if your goals are, you know, taking a break for the game, that's fine too. And, um, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.